Hey folks, it's Chef Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you're listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Turn it up. Yeah! Come on, turn it up! Let's go! Come on, turn it up! Man! Woo! All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Everybody, calm down, calm down. We're just doing a podcast here about crowdfunding. I don't need everybody uh, surrounding me and, and asking for autographs. Guys, guys, we're just going to have to calm down just a little bit here so that we can get to our, our interview coming up. So thank you all for tuning in. It's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in Detroit, Michigan. The last two days have been absolutely amazing with a little bit of rain, I guess, here and there. But I like a little bit of rain. So, you know, you might be wondering, why am I listening to this podcast? Who is this guy talking? Well, my name is Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, and I'm the host of Successfully Funded. And what do we do here? Well, we're talking to project creators um, who have had successful um, crowdfunding campaigns, mostly on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And we talk to them while their campaign's active, while, while the action's hot, while they're in the kitchen cooking, you know, so that we're getting the most up-to-date information on, on what's going on out there, right? What's going on in social media? What's going on in pay-per-clicks? What's going on with marketing strategies? And, and also, you know, what's, what's it like being a startup, bringing a product to market? So today's episode, we're going to be talking to Richie Zeng, and he is from the Project Warehouse. And um, these, we're going to be talking headphones again, man, back-to-back headphone episodes, it's almost like it's a duel. So we're going to be talking about wireless headphones um, and Richie's story. So that's going to be coming up here a little bit later. So I hope everybody had a great weekend, had a great Father's Day. I know I had a great one. Um, uh, I got some meat. That's right. You know, considering that my house is about 90% vegetarian, my wife bought me a steak and I cooked it on a grill. It was good. It was tasty. You know, I felt bad the whole time eating it because I, I lately I've been thinking all about, um, you know, just um, climate change, you know, CO2, all this sort of stuff that's in the news 24 seven and how, um, you know, there's tons and tons of statistics that, you know, if everybody just curves their animal food intake a little bit, not everything. I'm just talking about, hey, you know, maybe only eat meat four days a week instead of seven or five days. It would make a huge impact, but um, so, but you know what? That steak tasted pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. I very rarely get to eat um, th- real meat products. We eat a lot of um, a lot of Boca um, or a lot of Morning Star stuff uh, here in my house. Um, that's the typical filler. Um, so it was tasty. I'm not gonna lie. So I made that with a little bit of baked beans. I had like a real oh. And some mac and cheese, homemade mac and cheese. So that was like a real, felt like, a, like um, you know, I was out camping in the woods, um, eating my steak and, uh, and my beans. Or I was just eating in, you know, downtown Farmington. Same thing though, right? Same thing. So what else is new? Well, you know what? We're getting a lot of orders in right now for the You Are Your Own brand book. And I was... Buddy of mine mentioned the other day, I'm not talking about it enough. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate it, man. Check out our book. Um, if you're interested in picking up a copy, it's all about principles for you to be successful in social media, right? And we've got 32 of them that if you follow these, I think they'll rock your world and change how you approach social media. And so often we see clients and people treating social media as a one-way street or as a broadcast mechanism, just over and over and over, just pounding out, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm cool. And so often we see people not having a conversation, not treating it like a two-way street, like I said. So so that's what this whole book goes into. And it's cheap, man. You know, I think you can pay, still pick one up for $7 right now. So, you know, uh, if you're interested, like I said, shoot me an email, jeff at woodshed.agency, and uh, you know, we'll help you, you know, we'll get that out to you as soon as possible so that you can... Start doing your social media correctly, right? That's what we're trying to do here. So, so yesterday, um, uh, got to have a really nice afternoon with the kids. I uh, we went to uh, our our um, I, it's called Heritage Park. I don't know. It's got a splash pad, and we went to the nature center, and you know, walked around there and stuff. So it was a really nice day yesterday. I, I, I'm I'm trying to find my new groove right now, as as some of you entrepreneurs out there might know, or. You know, when you work from home and, and you're running a business, sometimes you are the one in charge of, 
you know, making sure your kids, uh, you know, aren't home alone. So uh, we're kind of flipping into the new summer schedule right now in terms of, you know, when I have the kids, when I'm working, and, and we're just in that sort of pivot moment. We're not in the groove yet, that's for sure. So so as of right now, Tuesdays, though, I, what I realize is, man, if I can find, like, uh, you know, f- you know, five hours of something to do on, on each Tuesday, I should be all right because then I can work a little bit in the morning and a little bit at night and and not get too back in the weeds because that's – it's a struggle, man. I, I don't know how people do it. You know, it's – there's no right or wrong answer. It's just grinding it out and, and, and making it work. So, um, but yeah, so let me give you a quick update too. Uh, my dad came home from rehabilitation, uh, so we're all golf clapping for that. Uh, he seems to be in some good spirits. He's moving around a, a little better. There still is a walker in front of him, which is interesting. But um, uh, I went down and saw him Friday, actually, in the rehabilitation. And boy, was that a another. I mean, you know, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you know that I have seen and have been going through some, you know, eye opening shit lately. Uh, my late 30s are going to be described as going through shit. But, um, man, just being in a um, this type of home, man, the, the weight of depression when you opened that door was uh, out, out of this world. I mean, just so heavy. And, you know, I get it. I mean, everybody's living through stuff. But, like, to see my dad in this scenario who, again, mid-60s, right, not, not, not 90, um, hanging out with just, uh, you know, just very, very sick people. Um, really put into perspective. And then also, I mean, another thing, mental thing to go through is pushing your dad around in a wheelchair outside is, and him just barely sitting there is, again, something that I mentally have never been prepared for until now, but now I'm prepared for it. I got it. I, I got it. Loud, you know, it's loud and clear in the old brain. So, so that was, like I said, that was Friday. He came home Saturday. So uh, I'm going to try to get down there this week and, and see about, uh, about helping him out a little bit more and, and continuing to, you know, be the good son, right? That's what we're doing here. That's the whole point of all this. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's what happened. Uh, that's what's been going on here. So, uh, also too, just a quick note, um, because of summer hours, we're going to call these the woodshed agency summer hours. We're probably going to kick the, well, I should say, take the word probably out. I'm going to, uh, bring the podcast down to one episode a week. I know, I know, I know everybody's booing me. Everybody's upset. Just the time is a bit of a struggle right now. So hopefully for the next, you know, until the kids get back in school, hopefully you guys are comfortable with this and you're okay with me putting out one episode a week. So we're going to put these out on Wednesdays now instead of Tuesdays and Thursdays, but hopefully you guys are cool with that. You guys don't stop listening. And in in fact, because of that, because of this great new information you just received, why don't you go out and tell a friend for me, right? Go tell them, Hey, you got to tune in every Wednesday to this successfully funded, maybe even do a review for me that the, all of that stuff helps, helps keep, um, um, you know, uh, people's, asking them to be interviewed. Um, it keeps the, the old lights on per se, and it keeps the momentum and keeps everybody feeling good. And, 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 and hopefully we're all out there helping. So if you like the podcast, uh, tune in Wednesdays, we're going to be putting these out over the summer and, um, yeah. All right. So why don't we kick my conversation with Richie from warehouse and, uh, let's see what he has to say, uh, about bringing, uh, a very cool, wireless headphone uh, system to market. So uh, let's go ahead and kick to my conversation. All right, Richie. I've hit the red hey. light. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, let's, let's start off quickly. Let's do a quick sound check. So uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I uh, didn't eat breakfast, but after this call, I'll probably make some eggs or something like that. Okay, all right. Now, is not eating breakfast a normal part, or or do you usually try to get breakfast every morning? Uh, it's about 50-50. It's just okay. whenever I have time to do it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, cool. All right, I think things are sounding all right here, so uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. So, uh, Richie, uh, what are you currently raising money for on uh, Kickstarter right now? Yeah, so right now we're raising money for the Warehouse Beam. They're a smart pair of Bluetooth earbuds with a customizable light ring. You can set it to any color you want and with wireless audio sharing. So really good for running together and working out with a buddy. 
Okay, that, now, that, now that's interesting. The, the the wireless sharing. Talk to me a little bit about that. How how, how does that work? Um, you know, if you're working out with someone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So right, so right now, you know, a typical Bluetooth earbud, you just connect it to your phone and then it plays music, right? Mm-hmm. But what we've done is be able to allow your earbuds to be able to then rebroadcast that audio. So you know, if you and I were at the gym together, I would connect my warehouse beam to my phone play my music, and then broadcast it to you. So hmm. both of us could be listening to the same music uh, while we work out together. That's interesting. So now would one of the phones be like the master phone, or, or how would that work? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So my phone would be the one that's actually playing all the music. You you actually wouldn't even need your phone connected in order to connect to my earbuds. Oh. And so does it have to be in like the proximity of of that phone though, uh, or or like like how, how far is like the ra- is there a range on it? How, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So with the earbuds, it's about ten to fifteen meters. So really, uh, you know, it's good enough for people that are within Bluetooth range. Uh, the whole technology is based on Bluetooth, um, but we realize for people who are kind of in proximity of each other, you know, running together, working out together. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, what was the kind of the decision on on why did you decide to go to Kickstarter to uh, to launch this product? Yeah, so this is actually our second Kickstarter project. Our first Kickstarter project was uh, a larger pair of on-ear headphones called the Warehouse Arc. Um, they have a lot of really similar uh, features as well, the light rings, the wireless audio sharing. And we raised a quarter of a million on Kickstarter about two and a half years ago. So back then, you know, we chose Kickstarter because it had, um, out of all the crowdfunding platforms out there they seem to have the strongest uh, music and technology community community so lots of people who were kind of backing new albums that were coming out but also backing the new the latest new gadgets and hardware right so that so that's why we picked kickstarter at the time it just seemed like the biggest audience best fit for us and now we're back again uh just to kind of hit the, that same audience um the same audience that were that helped us so much last time that's cool. So how did you guys get into making headphones? Uh, yeah, so you know, it, it started off actually when me and my co-founder were in school. Uh, we went to school at UC Berkeley. We were studying electrical, electrical engineering and computer science. And one, we would always be working on projects and homework in these kind of public workspaces that they have at the schools, like a library or kind of a workshop, things like that. We'd always be listening to music together um, or, you know, while working. But then if we want to share a song to each other, we're in a public space. So we just can't, we can't just play the music out loud. Right. So we would, we would go on Facebook. We would send each other YouTube links, even though we were sitting right across from each other on a table. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of when we, when we came up with the idea that it should be really easy to tune into your friend's headphones. You should just be able to press a button and have that, and then just have that uh, sync up, and so you can mm-hmm. tune in with your friend. And that's kind of how we came up with the idea. That's cool. So, so do you have a background in like headphones and audio technology? But, but I mean, I, even for like the first campaign, like where is that first step? You're in school, and you're like, yeah, I want to get into headphone, the headphone business. You know, yeah, I want to, yeah, I want to so. compete against JBL and you know the big competitors. You know, right? So you know. Uh, Back then, we didn't really have any headphone experience. I mean, now that's that's an entirely different story. But you know, when we were first started off, we were fortunate enough to get accepted into a hardware startup incubator called Highway One. So that was run by the supply chain management company that um, they did a lot of manufacturing work for Beats and Apple at the time. So kind of really lots of manufacturing experience, lots of experience with. Um, supply chain and a lot of connections with manufacturers in China. Gotcha. So they taught us basically everything about how to build a hardware business uh, and introduced us to our headphone manufacturer. So, you know, we kind of took the, took the initial design that we had and we gave it to the headphone manufacturer and then worked with them to kind of design the kind of fundamental high quality headphone portions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been doing headphones for 20 years, uh, headphones right. and earbuds. So um, back when we were launching our first headphones, uh, they kind of helped us a lot in terms of tuning the audio, getting good quality control processes in place, 
making sure that there was good build quality, that it fit well. Uh, mm-hmm. And with the earbuds, they've done pretty much the exact same thing. So a lot of the things that are very difficult to do on the first try, so like uh, making ear tips or hooks that kind of fit well into a customer's ear, right? Uh, you know, they have tons of data on that, so they can just give us the right recommendations right away. That's cool. That's cool. So let, let's let's break you down a little bit. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, I was born in China, but I moved to the Bay when I was really young, about two and a half. Okay. And what's your parents uh, do or what do they do? Um, yeah, my dad is a mechanical engineer and my mom is in sales. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, what made you want to start like a company, like, you know, to be an entrepreneur? What, what was the drive behind that? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing was um, while we were in school, uh, me and my co-founder, uh, obviously the sub- the subject matter is really interesting, but you know we were also working on a lot of side projects and things that kind of it's nice having a tangible thing that you're building uh, and it feels good. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of times in school we kind of had the issue of um, very theoretical projects or you know problem sets, homework. Um, it didn't feel as practical sometimes. Sure. You know, a lot, a lot of time it's more like foundational knowledge for stuff that you'll be doing in the future, but. We liked having things that were actually physical that we could do that were very practical at that point. So we actually left school early in order to pursue this. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. So, how was that uh, decision taken by the parents? Did, did they approve of that? You know, initially they were they were definitely not they were not as supportive. But you know, well, so it kind of went in waves. You know, the first semester they kind of saw it as almost like a semester off and a mm-hmm. good educational experience. After that, when we kept doing it, they started getting kind of concerned. <laughs> then afterwards, you know, we started, we launched on Kickstarter. We found a couple of angel investors and we kind of got to a point where we're kind of in a st- more of a steady state. Uh, and then they started becoming a little bit more supportive of that. But, you know, overall, I think the best thing about it has been the learning experience. Sure. Um, I feel like I learned a lot more about this, about just by doing this than I could have when staying with school. And especially because I, I personally have a lot of kind of a broad range of interests. Um, I, I love, you know, engineering and building and hacking and working on, pro- working on, on side projects and things like that. But I'm also interested in how product gets manufactured, how you market it effectively, how it gets sold, um, it's good to be able to kind of touch every aspect of the process. That's cool. So, you know, maybe you have two answers for this question, but what was the biggest um, roadblock or headache that you might have, that you endured with this campaign or maybe even the first time, kind of the first launch of, of, of the headphones, uh, your headphone product? Was there any sort of major roadblock or any sort of hurdle that you guys had, couldn't overcome or you guys had to pivot or do something different? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest, I mean, one big, challenge that we had was just kind of um i guess one so one i guess one that that really comes up is just taking what we had and kind of both simultaneously work on producing a product that we already had manufacturing it selling it marketing it while at the same time developing a second product you know our 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 long-term goal is to actually have a full product suite so mm-hmm. in ear, on ear, over ear. Um, so you know, if you wanted a hint of what's to come, but you know, doing all these things all at once with we have a really small team. You know, we have five people here in the Bay Area, three people in China. So really small team to be able to do all of that. Uh, and I think the biggest roadblock is really figuring out at what points is are are at what points you know which thing we need to focus on the most. Uh, it's, that part's probably been really difficult. Yeah, I got you, got you. And, and kind of the follow-up to that is, what, has there been a moment where maybe everything came together and you just knew you had something, you know, that, that, that you thought people were going to be into it? Maybe it's the launch of the first campaign or, or, or so on and so forth. Has there just been a moment where you just, you just knew that you were on the right path? Yeah, you know, I think the first campaign when we first launched was, a, was probably a really big indicator for us. Sure. Um, that we were kind of building a new fun and social experience into headphones. And I think that was just a really good motivation for us, especially since we actually had pre, we, we had pre-order customers at that point. 
mm-hmm. and uh, we had to work hard to actually fulfill the orders that we got. Um, and I think later on, you know, with this campaign, uh, we're it's also kind of a really big indicator. You know, we 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 thought that you know having this product. Um, we decided to make this product because we wanted a cheaper or lower cost entry point to kind of the warehouse experience. You know, you should be able to have cool, cool flashing lights on your earbuds and be able to sync up your audio with all warehouse products. So do so at a really low cost. So with the, with this product, we were actually really confident that we would, that it would be kind of our big entry point into like, into a much larger audience. And I think that's actually turning out to be true as well. And, you know, we we're actually on, we're on track to beat our first campaign, even though we have a much cheaper product. So we need to have many, many more backers come in and to support, support us. Right, right. That's cool. So uh, is there anybody that you look up to or um, is like a mentor? Is there anybody that, that, that you really look at in terms of design and, and, and products that, that's, just, that's just, you know, rocks your world? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think every... Every hardware company says similar things when they say, you know, they they look to Apple for inspiration. Everyone wants to be as good as Apple, uh, if not better. But and really, you know, that kind of pushes people to do. Sometimes can push people to make a lot of um, bad decisions because Apple can do things because they're Apple. They have a lot of leverage and a lot of money, right? Yeah. So, but in, in terms of in terms of total. Uh, in just terms of overall design, design quality and consistency in manufacturing, as far as hardware and consumer electronics companies go, I think it's really something to kind of model ourselves after. Um, just do as much as we can to to kind of follow that mold. Gotcha. Now you mentioned um, angel investors. Uh, what was kind of some steps that you took to before you went out to to acquire um, investors to get on board and you know, how did they kind of view you considering that this is a fairly crowded market, you know, um, headphones right now. So what did, what do you think they looked at? What what was kind of some of, you think some of their decisioning decision factors to, uh, to invest in you? Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely is a crowded market, but you know, back when Facebook launched, for example, it was also a crowded market. There was, Mm -hmm. there was MySpace, Friendster, um, probably a lot of other social networks that I don't even remember. But because you ha- if you have a unique offering, a well-built, well-designed offering, uh, there's, you, can, you can definitely win the market over. And I think that's kind of what people th- saw in us as well. Uh, the angel investors that we were first talking to, they saw this technology and knew that it's something that no one else had and no one else could do. Uh, we actually received, we received our patent for it um, you know, three years after we applied, but you know, we received our patent for it last month. Nice. Uh, so it's so that that uh, that was kind of a big win for us. But really, just because we have a unique experience and because we have an experience that's very core to the headphone and music listening experience, uh, you know, with the whole audio sharing technology, uh, that's what they really saw in us. Right. Um, you just as a kind of um, uh, as a side note, you know, there's a lot of other headphone companies out there that do a lot of different things, right? They're headphones that have VR in them or headphones that have a phone, have a phone screen built in or headphones that track your brain waves. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of these new types of headphones and earbuds out there that do a lot of cool stuff, but it's not necessarily related to music, sure. uh, which is what they're you know, originally designed to do. And we wanted to, we're definitely making something that's really core to the music listening experience. And, and, and how how do you decipher in a marketing message for the average person to know that your headphones sound better than this one, or they're you know they fit better, or whatever it is? I think that's such a hard thing because uh, I mean, as somebody who's owned recording studios in their lifetime and still does live sound for mega churches, I'm an audio guy, right? So, but my wife. Uh, she would buy headphones at CVS. They're the same headphones are headphones. They're, you know, she hears music They're They're the same thing. So how do you decipher audio marketing wise for people? Like wh- what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it, it is tough, you know, cause there are so many different offerings out there. The biggest things that we are able to do are, um, one thing is just when telling our product story, uh, we, 
made sure to me- to make it clear that we focused on building a high quality product first. Mm-hmm. So these earbuds that you're getting are going to be really high quality earbuds, especially for the price point that you're getting them at. And then on top of that, we kind of have our unique selling features, our unique technology, the, the customizable light rings, the wireless audio sharing. Right. Uh, you know, what we found is that since this is a relatively new technology and new experience, um, it's hard for people to, to really commit to making a purchase, especially since we're a new company. But we need to, so that we need to talk about the fact that we, we made this a really good quality product. And the way we do that is just by being, by stating, by stating some really clear facts, right? So there's certain materials that we use, like anodized aluminum and, uh, you know, we have a sweat proof, sweat resistant build. Uh, those are all things that are actually facts and kind of things that we designed for. And when you say those things, among a bunch of other things all at, all at once, you kind of give the impression of a really high quality product. Um, a so lot so of for pe- you, real quick, so for you in terms of that, like, th- like that to me seems like some inside baseball, right? The, some of the stuff you just mentioned. So for a young company, are you envisioning just going after a target audience that you think is going to buy this? Or do you try to expand a little bit more and, and, and use verbiage and term- terms that my wife would get or my mom might get or you know the average person might get it? Or do you try to, at this point as a company, just really be laser being focused and go, if I use these terms, I know my audience is going to be into it? Yeah, I think there. Uh, it's a little bit of both really, you know, there's some terms that we use like, uh, sweat proof build that, that, you know, pretty much anyone can understand. Sure. Um, anodized aluminum, I, I can understand how some people that might not be as clear to some people, but the fact that there's actual metal in, on the outer shell of our earbuds is really, it's a really good big plus in terms of its durability relative to others that are just based, made from plastic or silicone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to, we try our best to explain as much as we can, but you know, on, on Kickstarter and even once we do our own website, space is limited. So we end up having to strip some stuff out. Sure. But it ends up becoming about the kind of the core, the core, the core features that we want to focus on. A lot of times when you have a lot of technical speak about, about audio products, um, even people that don't, that aren't, that aren't necessarily techie or they're not necessarily audiophiles, um, they'll see that kind of technical speak about the headphones and they kind of get the impression that it's a good quality product. Sure. Right, right. Interesting. Well, let's flip over a little bit to actually the Kickstarter, you know, to right. kind of talk, talk a little bit about that. So, um, you know, what was kind of a pre-marketing strategy before you guys launched to, uh, you know, to do what you're doing right now, which for, for our listeners, I mean, you're just under 60,000 with 37 days to go. So you're doing well at the moment. Um, so kind of what was that strategy to, to get out of the gate quickly? Yeah. I mean, one thing that we really did was the fact that since this is, this is our second Kickstarter campaign, we, we uh, definitely reached out to our past backers and followers we ran a teaser campaign for about for the first two weeks leading up to launch. So what, so what does that mean? What's a teaser? Yeah, campaign? Yeah, teaser campaign meaning uh, we had we had email blasts, social posts, kind of um, teasing the campaign. So we you know we would show someone, show two people working out together, but kind of uh, censor out the earbuds <laughs> that they were. <laughs> You know, so, so kind of fun stuff like that to kind of pique people's interest. And then sure. while doing that, we were getting people to opt into a mailing list. Um, we also ran ran a, ran some ads driving traffic to like to a landing page where people could could put in their email and sign up. You know, just by giving a brief dis- description of the product. And so those two things were really really big for us in terms of getting a really strong day one. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming those are through what, Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that, or are you guys using Reddit? Yeah, mostly, so mostly, uh, mostly Facebook, uh, a little bit of Instagram because you know Facebook makes it really easy to run ads on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, mostly Facebook. That's kind of, and that's been that was really helpful. I mean, right now we have uh, we have I think thirteen thousand followers on Facebook, something something like that. So a good number of followers on Facebook that we could actually be targeting. That's great. And, and 
what was, I mean, building up to that, I mean, were you seeing a lot of that in between your campaigns since you had a couple of years or, or are you seeing that in the last six months or so leading up to the new launch? Uh, seeing what? Uh, a lot of that Facebook traffic you're talking about, the, the Facebook likes and stuff. Is that, did you see that happening before the campaign uh, you know, over the last couple of years or, or, or has that just been building over time? Yeah, it's been building over time. I think we definitely see huge spikes in, um, we definitely see huge spikes whenever we launch on Kickstarter. I mean, this is only our second time doing it, but you know, the first time, uh, our first Kickstarter, we jumped up to uh, 10,000. Um, and actually now, now a weekend, we, uh, we actually have four, uh, 14,500. So actually about 1.5K more than I, than I estimated yeah. earlier. Yeah. yeah. Whenever we get on Kickstarter, you know, we get a lot of traffic to our page. Um, a lot of people look, look us up online on Facebook and Google. So uh, we get a lot of more natural followers that way. That's cool. So if you were, if you were talking, um, you know, to a first time, somebody getting ready to launch a product on Kickstarter, what would be your first advice for them? What would you tell them to do? I think the biggest thing is probably, um, I mean, I think first step is to make sure you have the right, you have a, you have a, good product that fits the audience that you're targeting or at least a good story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the problems that, that we had in our first campaign was that we had a headphone that did a lot of stuff, but we didn't really have a, have a specific audience we were aiming for at that point yet. Right. Um, and eventually we figured it out and that kind of helped us out later on in the campaign was you know for the warehouse arc a lot of it was kind of focused on it ended up being focused on kind of hobbyists music creators real just real music lovers right yeah because those are the kinds of people where they'd buy this buy this high-end bluetooth headphone um let's say you're mixing stuff you're mixing together a new song on your laptop there's so many people that do that these days uh they can just get their friend to hop in, listen to the song with them and get feedback on the song right away. No matter where they are, they could be in a cafe. Um, they could be working from home. They could be at, even at the office, you know? So that's kind of what worked, ended up working pretty well for the warehouse arc. And now for the beam, we, we, we came in with a much clearer idea of who we were targeting. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that earbuds are much easier to target for than uh, than uh, like on ear headphones because on ear headphones are a bit are sound kind of more of a jack jack of all trades sure kind of product but earbuds you know fitness all the way mm-hmm. um, if you see your campaign video a huge portion of it's for fitness running together workouts um, a lot of our ads are based on that as well so uh, that's where a lot of the focus has been on. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. So how did you guys come up with, um, I think you guys have a pretty unique stretch goal, uh, strategy. How did you guys come up with that? Um, you know, some of the stuff we're still figuring out on the fly. You know, when we, we can, we kind of came in, uh, about a month before the campaign, we kind of sat down and have had a brainstorming session of kind of where, where we were at, what things we could do. Um, so we kind of have a have a brainstorming session. We just kind of spent that month kind of assessing the feasibility of everything. Mm-hmm. For example, we just announced we we just passed the stretch goal for the soft shell carrying case. So a zipper case that can protect your earbuds when you're on the go. Uh, and really, what we what that came down to was just figuring out what the minimum order quantity was, how much it would cost, um, and once we got to a certain point in terms of number of order orders. Um, uh, how much, whether or not we could add that in without affecting our own costs too much. Sure, sure. So that that's a big part of what we're doing. Um, and actually, this morning, this morning we're actually planning on announcing a new stretch goal. So actually, an accelerometer. So it's actually a really big deal in terms of the functionality that it adds to our earbuds. Um, a month ago, we kind of threw out the idea, and then we, um, our electrical engineers, kind of spent the time figuring out if we had space to do it. Um, the circuitry is not very complicated. We just need to add the actual part and invest time into developing features for it. Hmm. But we're adding the, the accelerometer in and 
Um, what that lets you do is track steps. You can kind of go into running mode on the warehouse app, and your earbuds will track your your running pace. Um, eventually, we can even have it play your music uh, and kind of play music to the pace of your of your run, or maybe increase the pace of the music if you want if it, you're trying to speed up, right? Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so just really fun stress tools like this to add really add a lot of value to our backers. Um, you know, with the accelerometer, it actually opens up a lot of doors for us. We have these initial ideas on how we plan to use it, but really, uh, we take a lot of inspiration from our backers. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, we were on Kickstarter for our first product, and now it's our second product. Uh, we talk to our backers a lot and really get their feedback on on kind of what features they're looking for. So with this accelerometer, we're definitely looking to hear a lot more ideas about what we could do with it. Yeah, I can see how you guys are excited about that. It seems like it opens up a ton of doors. It seems really, really, really interesting. And, and I think those are what great stretch goals do. They open up the product past its kind of initial state. So that's really cool. Really good idea. So this, this may be an absolutely stupid question considering that your campaign is doing well, but is there anything that you would, have liked to have done differently for this campaign than what you're doing right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, as soon as we launched our campaign, we just got hit with a ton of different messages from all these various Kickstarter marketing firms and newsletters and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I would have been able to see all those a lot sooner uh, <laughs> because then, you know, we could have kind of arranged everything all on the all to go out on the first couple of days, kind of keep have a really big splash and have a huge boost in momentum. Um, so I think that's kind of one thing that I definitely would have done differently. Kind of the biggest thing. So, so, so you, you think that an agency would be, you'd be, do you think that if you had an agency on board, you would be better right now? Yeah. I mean, not necessarily an agency, but more just all these different marketing opportunities. You know, right. I, I know that some of them, some of them, unfortunately, can are, are scams just from talking to friends that have come yeah. out. But you know, we see a lot that have a lot of tools that have come out that have been really, really helpful. That's cool. That's cool. Now, are you guys utilizing anything like a backer kit or anything like that right now? Yeah, we used backer kit for our first campaign, and we're going to be using it for this campaign now too. What? What? And I get this question quite a bit, so I, I love to, you know I answer it how I feel. How do you guys feel about it? Like, like what's your guys' take on it? Um, what do you mean? Uh, could you repeat the question? What, what's your take on the tool in terms of utilizing it? Do you guys see an uptick for it? Do you think it's, it's worth it? Do you, do you see a value to it? Uh, well, back then, well, basically, mainly we just use it for the crowd, for the fulfillment, you know, surveying, collecting data. And that was, I think it just, in terms of the, the convenience aspect of it, it just, it helps out a lot. You know, it, the, the, the way they manage the data and store everything is really helpful. And then they kind of have this little added feature where they help you basically sell sell more product. Yeah. Right. So I think that um, is kind of hit or miss. I I, pers- we, I don't I believe we didn't really see much of an uptick from additional sales post campaign on backer kit. I think mainly because our first product was a lot more expensive. Sure. But I think with the earbuds, there's a chance that we might be able to see a lot more. I mean, we're definitely planning on using backer kit to uh, fulfill our orders and kind of arrange everything after the campaign. That's cool. Excellent. Excellent. So <clears throat> what is scale for your company? What does it look like right now? Uh, scale. I mean, you know, right, right now our first product is already on, our first product is already on Amazon. So we're doing pretty well on Amazon, almost a hundred reviews at this point. And we were forced our product, uh, which is, I think pretty good. Yeah, uh, a lot of you know a lot of Kickstarter projects don't even make it make it to to the point where they can be selling on Amazon, and a lot of them even if they do, they don't necessarily get to the point where they're getting good reviews, right? Um, and have a con- kind of a consistently good quality product. Um, so we're actually really proud of the fact that you know with from raising a quarter of a million dollars, we were able to first ship to our Kickstarter backers within six months. And then launch the product on Amazon uh, really shortly after. So I mean, that's something that we're really proud of is that we've actually been able to kind of take um, our products into kind of more formal channels and do well in them. 
uh, and really with it beam, obviously we're going to be going to Amazon as well. It's one of the quickest channels to set up and they're really good about working with us. Mm -hmm. Um, but really what scale looks like is just kind of international expansion. You know, we want to be hitting the top brick and mortar retail stores. We want to be in countries all over the world. Um, and we're talking to a lot of different partners for that as well. So, I mean, that's really what, um, this whole year has been about, uh, both for the arc and for the beam. Cause a lot of retailers have been interested in the beam as well, because we're able to bring the cost down so low for the, as an entry point to our technology and our experience. That's interesting. So, so you guys do envision retail being a part of your operation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, it's really important for kind of getting high volume, getting, getting to the point where you're, where your headphones and earbuds are everywhere. Right. Uh, I think the best marketing tool for any company that sells physical goods is just having more customers because a a customer that is happy is a great product evangelist. When they wear the headphones, it's just free marketing. Yep. Uh, So really the number one goal we have is just to make a product that people love and something that stands out and looks cool. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. So in, you know, around what, 45 to 50 days from now, whatever, when, all, when the, uh, you know, when the Kickstarter money comes in, what's the first steps out of the gate for you guys, um, to start doing fulfillment? Yeah. I mean, uh, so at that point we're going to, we're, we're going to be, we're already going, we're just going to be booking our manufacturing line. Um, we're, we're a bit farther ahead than a lot of Kickstarters. So we're doing tooling right now. Um, we've had, we're and we're going to be doing pilot production by the end of the Kickstarter. So uh, quite a bit further along than most Kickstarter campaigns. Um, mm-hmm. Our goal is to ship ship as soon as possible after after we act, we receive the Kickstarter funds. Gotcha, gotcha. So uh, and, and what are you guys doing right now in terms of keeping kind of the momentum going? I mean, considering you've already hit your goal and, and the public might just look at it and go, huh, they're funded. You know, with, with this many days to go, what's kind of a strategy to, uh, to keep, the, keep the ball rolling? Yeah, I mean, I think stretch goals are a big part of it. Uh, we're really, we've come up with a lot of stretch goals that really push, that kind of really add a lot of new experiences and functionality to our product. Um, things I think are really valuable to, to our users and we're really pushing them to help share and spread the word. Um, I mean, right now we have a pretty good initial pool of backers. We have over 500 right now that, and if we can get all of them to share or, you know, all of them to kind of get one friend on board, even, uh, that's going to double our, our backer numbers. And the best way to do that is with stretch goals. Mm Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. So how about for you personally? Where do you see yourself in, in 10 years? 10 years? Wow. I mean, I like to kind of live in the moment and just kind of kind of figure things, figure out the issues that are kind of present. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in 10 years, I definitely hope to be, um, I, I mean, obviously I hope for Warehouse to become as big as possible. And if in 10 years, Warehouse is huge and I'm still working at Warehouse, I'd be very happy with that. Uh, in general, I like I really like working on physical consumer electronics products, so I definitely still expect myself to be working working on that. Uh, definitely at a much definitely in kind of a much more scaled up sense. You know, mm-hmm. uh, ideally we would have retail distribution channels already, you know, ready to go, and when we manufacture a product, we we kind of have people interested in purchasing it and having it on their shelves already. Uh, that's kind of where I hope to be in 10 years. That's cool. Now, do, do you like the aspect of building a company or do you envision that like you would like to be running like a big company? Like, I don't know for some, I say this for somebody like myself here, I love building and building and building. And sometimes when it gets too big, I'm like, well, all right, I'll give that to somebody else to go run now. Like, how, how do you, how do you look at that sort of stuff? Uh, I think in general for me personally, I have a fairly, uh, I'm fairly adventurous. So I like how I like seeing things that are new. And I think a really new challenge would be kind of a, a new challenge would be kind of, you know, we have this smaller company, um, as we scale up, we hire more and more people. And eventually this turns into big companies, right. a, a big company. And then along the way, it's just 
at every step, there's a whole series of new challenges that we need to overcome. And for me, that's definitely a lot more exciting for me. That's cool. That's very cool. Are there any personal habits that you think you have that's that um, you're putting into successful Kickstarter campaigns? You know, something that you might do daily or anything like that? Um, personal habits. Uh, I like... I mean, one. I think one thing that I found is that um, social pressure does helps me helps motivate me in some ways. So you know, last year I did a half marathon half marathon training with with my girlfriend, and we were we were both training for it, and then we kept telling our friends about it. And then because of that, we, we were kind of motivated to keep on going and not give up. Right. So that's kind of a personal thing that uh, I kind of use to my advantage. Um, half marathon training is kind of where when we first really wished we had the earbuds. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, I mean, that was honestly like, that was honestly also a really big, big motivator to really push to get these earbuds out as fast as possible. We're probably going to do another one once these earbuds come out. But really just telling, talking to people a lot about what we're doing uh, so that they have, other people have these expectations for us and then we can work as hard as we can to fulfill them. That's cool. Because if, you know, if you set your own goals just personally and you don't make them, it's, the stakes aren't as high. You're not as motivated sure. to actually reach those goals. Well, I, I mean, one of, these re- one of the reasons I love you know, crowdfunding and Kickstarter so much is exactly what you're talking about you know the putting that public pressure on an idea or to prove you know that validation that you're not just nuts right like the public wants this you know it, I, I think it's a you know it, it takes huge vulnerability to put that that matzo ball out there in the world you know and say i got an idea i, I need some help raising the money for it so yeah yeah exactly that's cool so when you when you get the first prototype of of a new pair of headphones, what's the song that you listen to to to, to uh, break them in or, or test them out? Oh man, it's oh, it's usually it's whatever I'm listening to at the time. But if I need a go to song to go to, uh, one of my favorite DJs is uh, Zed. Uh, right. So Zed, I just pull up one of his songs and listen to it there because you know they have a lot of. He has a lot of songs with good, good with high frequencies, low frequencies, a lot of good bass. Um, so really, if I can feel the music, uh, it's a good it's a good experience. That's cool. That's cool. Well, Richie, I think we did it. I think we we got a good interview in here. Uh, so where can people find out more uh, info if they want outside of Kickstarter? Where can people learn more about Warehouse and and uh, and maybe uh, contribute? Yeah. So if you if you want to learn more about Warehouse outside of Kickstarter, I think the best way to do it is on our social media channels. So we're Warehouse Inc. on everything, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can also visit our where, our website at warehouse.com. It's W-E-A-R-H-A-U-S. Awesome. Awesome. How about you? How about if people want to find you? Are you out there on the old Twitter land? Uh, can people connect with you? Um, yeah. I, I, I use... Um, I think I'm most active on... Instagram probably it's just Richie Zhang at Instagram. Uh, I travel. I travel a decent amount for work, so sometimes I'll post travel related stuff. I'll post nice product shots and things like that. Um, that's probably the best way to keep up with me. Awesome. All right, Richie. I think we did it. It's a good interview. I uh, appreciate you taking time out of your day, and I think my listeners are going to be totally into this product. Uh, um, this is this is just a really cool set of headphones that I think. Uh, solves a pretty interesting issue in terms of not having to stand next to somebody with two white earbuds, uh, you know, with one in yeah. ear and the other person in another ear. Uh, I could, I have experienced that problem and you guys are solving it. So, uh, uh I appreciate your time in and, and thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. How about that conversation with Richie, man? A lot of good stuff in there. I mean, you know, clearly they've got um, a a product that is going to scale and people are excited about it. It's their second Kickstarter. A lot of great info in here. So uh, go ahead. Go back to them, man. Go go get a new pair of headphones. Check them out. Um, Support them, right? Support small business. Support support entrepreneurs and their dreams. So Richie, I want to thank you again for for coming on the episode. And uh, so let's what are we listening to right now? What's behind me? Well, the song is called California. And I picked this song today because my wife's uh, dad is coming in from California. 
uh, for next week. So I thought I'd go ahead and play a song that I wrote about the old great state of California. All right, guys. I uh, hope you guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you all next week. Oh, okay.